Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally. Voidware prohibited. Must be 18 or older to enter. No purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. Hit Like a Girl podcast is a proud member of the Health Podcast Network. One thing I love about working with them is that they're mission-driven, which means that they're dedicated to featuring authoritative shows, hosts, and guests who take on the tough topics in healthcare with empathy, expertise, and a commitment to excellence. If you're looking for bingeable content related to the healthcare industry, they've got more than 8,000 episodes on demand waiting for you. From professional development, the patient voice, digital health, innovation and entrepreneurship, and of course, health IT, they've got you covered. So this is your official invitation to check them out at healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. This is High Tea with Grace, where we spill the tea on HIT. I'm very excited to welcome my informaticist, pharmacist friend, Heidi Pollock today. Hi, Heidi. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Grace. Thanks for having me. I'm so honored. Tell us all about yourself. What do you do? Um, And tell us a little bit about your background. You got it. So I am a pharmacist by trade. I've been a licensed pharmacist for over 30 years. So just extremely passionate about healthcare. And, you know, you might want to know, how did I get into it? It was by fluke. You know, I was in college. I actually wanted to be a lawyer and I wasn't really enjoying the courses I was taking except for biology. And I thought to myself, oh, I'm going to be a biologist. I'm going to go out and do all this amazing research. And my mom was like, what? She's like, Heidi, you have this amazing family history of pharmacy. I can't believe I didn't think of it either. My grandfather owned a pharmacy in rural Pennsylvania. My grandma was a doctor in the same town. And my aunt and uncle, they owned a pharmacy kind of across the state, but also in Pennsylvania. So I used to go into pharmacies since I was a little kid. And it really, once I got into the program, it was just a natural fit. I can tell you, I have so much passion for pharmacy and helping patients. If you can't see it, you're crazy. Yeah. So how long were you a pharmacist? 
I've been a pharmacist for over 30 years. I spent the majority of my career, you know, behind the bench, patient care each and every day. And I truly, truly love that. I mean, there's nothing more rewarding than helping someone in their family. Um, I got to see people grow up. I met families who had no children, then they had children. Then I was taking care of their children. I watched their children grow up. And, you know, you're out in the community and you're, you're standing in line at a store and someone sees you and they're like, you're my pharmacist like it's just I can't it's so funny to me because so often you hear about the primary care physician's relationship with their pharmacist but truly the pharmacist has that relation sorry with their patients but truly pharmacists have that relationship with their patients they're a huge part of the care care circle you know we are the most accessible care uh, provider in the in the world, really. Where else? You can't walk into your doctor's office and get an appointment right away. You can't walk into a dentist's office. You can walk into a pharmacy anytime, any day, and a pharmacist will be there to help you. And that is really what drives us. Um, I, I loved it. Um, but I had an opportunity to move out from behind the bench uh, into a management role at a grocery chain in the Western New York area. And, you know, I'm always about learning more stuff and more skills. Like, you know, it's great to get in a comfort zone, but as people, as professional, you have to learn to grow. Boy, was I scared when I moved into that role. I didn't have much of a business background other than helping to make sure the pharmacy I worked in was running well, but to really learn about the inner workings of a business, um, that's important too, because, you know, it is healthcare is a business, you know, everybody's got to be able to pay the bills. So you have to make sure you have that uh, amazing fine balance between, you know, making the money, but, you know, always putting your patients first. So I loved that. Uh, so I did that for eight years and, oh man, I learned a lot. I got to do some amazing stuff. I got to develop an immunization program for the grocery chain. I helped start their, uh, you know, medication therapy management program. And I think one of the coolest things I did, I'm so not afraid to go outside of my comfort zone. They asked me to help create a drug warehouse. And I was like, I don't know anything about that. Um, but I did it because I'm not afraid to ask for help, right? I, I know when I'm kind of beyond my base of knowledge, but I know how to surround myself with great people. So I always encourage people wherever you are, make sure you work with your coworkers, get to know who they are. You know, go to your finance department, find out what they do because it's all interconnected, right? Everything that we do is for the common good. So I had friends in finance and purchasing and, you know, the main grocery warehouse, and they really helped me. I did not do this project alone. It took a village to create this project. And, you know, within six months, we were saving our grocery chain hundreds of thousands of dollars. So so proud of that. That um, is amazing to go from pharmacist into this new business role. You have so much courage. And I think our listeners will really learn from that alone. Be courageous, take that next step and surround yourself with amazing people. Yeah. So how did you make the shift into health IT? 
<laughs> Same thing. Never saw myself in a health IT role. Well, I had moved away from the grocery chain and into the pharma world and, you know, spent a couple years there, once again, learning some new skills. And then, um, you know, I did unfortunately go through some downsizing and, you know, no one ever wants to, you know, be in a position where they, they don't have steady work. So I just started doing some research and I said, you know, I, I want to do something different. And I came upon Dr. First. And when I learned what we, what we were doing here, I was like, I have to be a part of that. So I just kept sending in applications and, you know, connected with the right people. And what I love about Dr. First is, you know, we don't look for an exact list of skills. You must do this, 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 and this. Like it's, it's about who you are as a person. It's about, um, you know, how you, you know, are you a visionary? Are you willing to, you know, we say it a lot here, fail fast. Like you can't be afraid to put yourself out there. And so, you know, Dr. First really took a chance on me and I am so excited to be here. Uh, they put me in a project manager role. Like that was a role I'd never even played. I was like, I don't even know what that means. Um, but instantly um, was learning all about, you know, data transfer and how that works, all the inner workings of coding and, you know, stuff like that. And then I started, you know, once again, not afraid to learn. I didn't just stick in that role and, and focus on just that. I was like, what else do we do here at Dr. First? I started digging into all the other solutions we have around medication history and medication reconciliation, care collaboration, AI. And I'm like, just feed me all that knowledge. So yeah, that's what I, I, I just have learned everything that we do here at Dr. First. And I'm not afraid to help out wherever I can even though it's not your expertise or your comfort zone, you can always add some value. And, and I once again challenge everyone, seek that out. Don't just stay in your comfort zone. Uh, you only get one chance at life and you got to live and you got to learn. So I'm just sure they were so grateful to have your just experience as a pharmacist on staff to say, hey, these were my challenges to help inform some of the things that they're doing at Dr. First. So, you know, tell us a little bit about what were your biggest challenges as a pharmacist? And um, do those challenges still exist today? What's being done to fix them? My biggest challenge was always time. You know, unfortunately, there's never enough time in the day. And especially today, um, those challenges do absolutely still exist. And if anything, they've been amplified. Um, you know, the unfortunate fallout with COVID uh, really put a lot of pressure on everyone, but especially anyone that provided healthcare. And as I stated earlier, pharmacists were the front line. You know, people were just coming in droves to try to see pharmacists. Um, but, you know, we had to close our doors in some instances. We couldn't let the patients into the actual pharmacy. So, you know, people with drive-throughs, they were forcing all their patients through the drive-through. Other places were just locking the doors and only doing things on appointment only and meeting people at the curb and in doing telehealth. Um, so that's the challenge is having the time that you need to provide, you know, really that face-to-face -face care that you, that we absolutely thrive to, to provide. So using technology, that's the best thing you can do. Um, and I was just recently interviewed about that, you know, about how pharmacies, you know, what can they do? And I said, once again, embrace change. You know, every year you should take a step back look at your business model, you know, be honest with yourself. You might be doing something well, 
but can you do it better? You know, always read about what's going on in the industry because, you know, no one likes to admit it, but there's always someone that is doing it better than you, but that's okay. Strive to be that person. Um, so, you know, get technology. If you don't have it today, you need it. Stop phoning, stop faxing. You know, there's more efficient ways to communicate. Um, use AI where you can and where it's appropriate. Um, it will help you free up yourself and your staff, and you can spend that time with patients that you need. That, that's what it is. Time's a killer, and, and we've got to learn to management the best we can. Yeah, that's really impactful. What do you think are, are the parts of the pharmacist workflow that need the most help? <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's definitely the communication piece for sure. Um, once again, so much of healthcare still relies on phone and fax. Come on, in our normal everyday life, be honest, how many phone calls do you take today? Very few. We text, all of us text, you know, that's how I text with my children. I don't talk to them a lot, which is really sad. I need to be better at that. But that's what they're comfortable doing. Know your audience. If your audience likes text messaging, put something into place where you can securely message. You can message with more people at a time than you can with a phone call. You can only have so many phones on your ear at once. Um, and use, you know, AI where you can. There is software out there that can take away some of that manual reading and transcribing of things. You know, you don't need to stand behind a computer screen um, when there is technology that can fill in some of that for you. You're still going to, you know, validate it and make sure it's correct. But we, we just need to improve our workflow efficiencies. And that's what it is. It's it's the standing behind the computer and the wasting of time on phone and fax calls, you know, phone and faxing. Um, we need to get beyond that if we want to succeed. Mm -hmm. What do you think keeps pharmacists that aren't using these technologies from using them? What do you think kind of keeps them from moving forward with having them as a part of their daily life and workflow? I think like most people, it's the comfort. I, I've talked about it, you know, so many times already. We get in our comfort zone. It, it's kind of that adage, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's a bad adage to follow in life. I mean, we're always changing thing in our personal lives. Um, you know, we all have phones. Those phones work today. But, ooh, I got to go get that iPhone 13 or that new Google phone, right? I got to get the latest technology in my personal life. My car's got to be the best car, the newest car. Even though that, you know, 2016 model still works, I want the 2022. We should do the same in our business life. You know, it might be working well, but once again, it can always be done better. Stay on top of technology that's out there. We do it in our personal lives. You need to do it in your professional life. And don't be afraid of change. Um, you know, talk to the people that work with you because everybody will have a different thing that they're afraid of in the change. What impacts me as the pharmacist is very different than my technician or my delivery driver. Um, so, you know, meet as a group discuss it as a team. This is a team effort. That This isn't something where I'm the owner, I'm just going to do it, right? Listen to me and do it. It's a team effort. That's how you really have a successful pharmacy is just working as a team. Do you think the next generation of pharmacists that are coming into, into the world now and are take, starting to take over some business things, do you think that they're expecting this technology? Do you think they have that level of consumerism that they expect from technology? Or do you think that's still something in the future um, that we're working towards? 
Oh, I absolutely see a plethora of young pharmacists today who are embracing technology um, more so than ever before. Uh, I love reading the stories. I go to conferences and I listen to their, um, you know, they get up on a podium and they they really tell us how they're doing it. And that was something that I always encouraged at my grocery chain. You know, I always had a group of pharmacists who, when we instituted a change, they would run with it. And then the other ones that were scared wouldn't. So I got the ones that were doing well to stand up and say, you know, show them it's okay, give them some best practices. So it's sharing of best practices. So once again, you need to read about these younger, um, you know, new pharmacists that are coming out and doing this stuff. I'm seeing some amazing things in the world of community pharmacy today that I'm, you know, I'm really proud of them. And I really applaud them for all that they're doing for patient care. They are changing the the face of pharmacy patient care today. That's amazing. Um, you know, another topic we've been hearing a lot about in pharmacy and innovation is uh, uh, price transparency. Um, how does tech play a role in managing medication adherence? Um, and, and what's out there today to kind of achieve that, you know, in relation to price transparency? So we are seeing rules coming about which which are going to mandate price transparency in the pharmacy space. And that really is needed because, yes, unfortunately, the cost of medications today, the use of a lot of high deductible plans is is really putting the burden on the patient uh, for very high out-of-pocket costs that unfortunately some people just can't afford. But there's technology out there uh, that's right in pharmacy workflow that will tell help you understand what the patient is going to have to pay out of pocket. You should hopefully know this um, before the patient actually gets to the pharmacy uh, so that you can contact the prescriber immediately, you know, for an alternative. Um, There's also organizations out there that can help you find medication assistance programs for patients. There are quite a few organizations that offer financial assistance, um, pharma companies, you know, these things aren't widely enough publicized, but even pharma companies, you know, they have not only the cost savings cards, uh, but free medication programs. So it's once again, stay as educated as you can on these types of technologies and programs and put them in place as quickly as you can. Um, And, you know, some pharmacies are, are going to all cash models too. They're cutting out some of the middlemen that are unfortunately increasing the price of care. And they're just going all cash. Sometimes, believe it or not, it's less expensive to pay the cash price than it is to run it through your insurance. That's that's wrong. You know, we shouldn't. That's why you have insurance, right? To cover your stuff. So when the cost on insurance is higher than the cost for cash, that's a little bit of a broken system or a lot of broken system. Um, Hopefully, Going forward, that's going to be fixed. I know there's a lot of legislation in place on price transparency and lowering drug costs. Uh, Let's hope we can get that pushed through so we can truly help our patients. Yes, in many ways, I feel like the pharmacist's role in that is like a community builder. They yes. are, they need to educate, they need to help connect. It's it's pretty wild all the things that the pharmacist does with in relation to price transparency and helping their patients afford medications, et cetera. I mean, it's pretty wild that their role has expanded so much from dispensing medication to all of this. 
Yeah, it's, um, I think it is a little bit of a misunderstanding of truly what the pharmacist does today. We are more than the, the people that put the pills in the bottle or the immunizations in your arms. Um, because we are so accessible and we see our patients so many more times a year than an actual provider does. Um, you know, we hear, we're hearing a lot about social determinants of health today. Um, you know, pharmacists can really have an impact on that. There are home issues, there's housing issues, there's education issues, transportation issues that people face. So it's the everyday, you know, barriers that patients face every day that impact adherence. And pharmacists help with that. I, I don't think people realize what we're doing a lot of times in our off hours. We're trying to do it while we're doing the medications, but many pharmacists today, they will do this after hours, they will work to try to connect patients to social agencies that can help them. Because if you can't get to the pharmacy or the medication can't get to you, you're not going to be adherent. If you can't afford it, you're not going to be adherent. If you have upheaval in where you live, it'll be hard to be adherent. So, you know, there are a lot of things that pharmacists do today to improve adherence other than just give you a refill once a month. That's amazing and so true that you see the pharmacist when the kid has the ear infection, you see the pharmacist when you're refilling prescriptions and you may see your primary care doctor once a year, you know? And so, especially as a mother, you're seeing the pharmacist so much more often than you would be seeing any other, your own physician or whatever other physician. So they really have a critical role. Do you think that there is a day where insurances will start paying pharmacists for this kind of uh, primary care, regular care that they're providing for the patients? Do you think there's a, a future where that could be? Absolutely. It's actually here today in very limited spaces. The state of Ohio recognizes pharmacists as providers. There are actually payers who are working directly with pharmacies in the state of Ohio. Pharmacists are working uh, on adherence programs and they are demonstrating benefit. These patients are taking their medications. They're more adherent. Outcomes are headed in a positive direction. Absolutely. What we need is national provider status so that we can bill for the services that, that we do provide over and above, once again, the pills in a bottle. Um, we can do that a little bit in a roundabout way, but we need to do it directly. There's no, you know, will we collaborate with the doctors? Of course, we're not saying we're gonna do all of this on our own. It's a care team, but I shouldn't have to provide the service and have someone else bill for the service, then send me the money. I should be able to bill for my service right there on the spot after the care has been provided. Um, but it's coming. So it's already started. We just need a bigger national push. And there's lots of legislation in place for that too. So positive things in the future for pharmacy. Amazing. The future is now. Now, yes. what do you predict for the future of healthcare technology specifically um, in this pharmacy space? Um, how is tech going to you know, play a different role in the future, thinking 10 years, 20 years down the road? Well, with all the interoperability rules that are coming into place, you know, that's really going to help pharmacies. So once again, stay on top of those rules, understand when, you know, information sharing barriers are down. Okay. They're still there, but we're, we're knocking on that door, right? They're just, we're, we're poking like a Jenga game. You know, we're pulling some of the blocks out and one of these days, very soon, those walls are going to fall down. Uh, pay attention to that. And, don't wait 
get prepared now, start doing everything that you can, putting interoperability and medication information, sharing technologies in place now so that when the wall falls, you're ready to run, okay? Uh, that's what I see helping pharmacy. When I have more clinical information at my hands, I can provide that care right away. I don't have to you know, call a doctor or message a doctor, send this over to me, like I'm gonna have it at my fingertips. That's what I see uh, helping pharmacy in the next few years, interoperability and the access to the patient, um, you know, care information that you need to be the best pharmacist you can be. That is fantastic and is a great future. So we're excited for that future to come. And thanks so much for all you're doing to, to make that future reality in this space. So I wanna kind of switch over into a little bit more personal information about you. A little birdie told me that you are a second degree black belt in Taekwondo. Wow, tell me about that. You can actually hit like a girl. <laughs> I can hit like a girl. Um, yeah, so, you know, many years ago, um, before I got married, I was, you know, I love to work out. I like to run. I like to go to the gym. But, you know, sometimes you get you get comfortable. And sometimes comfortable gets, you know, kind of boring. And I was just driving around my town. I lived in Buffalo, New York at the time. And I drove down this one street I hadn't really driven by. And I was like, hmm. Taekwondo. Wonder what that's all about. And the guy, the gentleman that ran the school, um, just had an amazing, you know, inexpensive free trial program where you could kind of sign up for a month and and try it out. And I'm not a natural athlete. My brothers got all of that, but when I got there. I was natural at it. I was like, wow, this is great. And I also thought too, you know, it's got a lot of discipline and, and self-defense to it. And I thought, you know, I'm a single woman. Wouldn't it be nice to have that self-defense technique? You know, I, I, it would make me feel a lot safer. And I just fell in love with it. I practiced for five years. I actually even practiced through two pregnancies. Um, yeah. <laughs> And, um, you know, unfortunately, having, you know, a husband, two kids, a full time job and, and the commitment I needed to do that, it was it was a really tough decision, you know, to give that hobby up. It was really more than a hobby. It was kind of a lifestyle. But I really enjoyed it. Um, we were able to transform so many people's lives. And, you know, that's I take great joy in that, you know, to, to know that you've given, you, you've helped someone gain confidence. You know, sometimes we would get young children, you know, that lacked confidence and they were getting bullied and, you know, we were able to help them gain confidence. We were able to help people lose weight. We were able to, you know, give that self-confidence that they knew that, you know, they hopefully would never be in harm's way, but they could help protect themselves. But it was a great, it was a really great experience. That's amazing. Do you feel like I've heard a lot about uh, martial arts and the impact it has on changing your neural pathways? And I'm interested to hear if you experienced that. You know, I, you're talking a little bit about the empowerment and and the safety. And did you feel like it had an impact on your mental health too? Absolutely. Uh, you know, because we do all get frustrated with things. It, it's very zen when you get there, you know, um, you're able to just release, you know, through the techniques that you do. And, I, and it, it doesn't have anything to do with striking or hitting a person. It's the breathing. It's the flow. It's almost, you know, look at the people that do Tai Chi and how zen they get. I definitely felt that it helped me mentally. Uh, and it just became second nature. I have not done, you know, regular 
practice in a number of years, but I still feel like it's there, you know, in the back of my brain that, you know, it's like you can access it at any time, whenever you want, but it's there. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. And having your body move in ways that you never might have ever before and teaching your brain new ways that your body can move and do things is incredible. Spinning and kicking. And, you know, I was just like, I didn't know I could do that. (laughs) And it really is an art. My instructors were all fifth, sixth degree black belts. It was an art to watch them. Like you would just find yourself just zoning out because there's such a beauty to it. Um, You know, you have to remember where it came from, you know, all martial arts came as a method for, you know, people to protect themselves from overlords, you know, we're talking way back in, you know, ancient times, um, but, you know, where they couldn't, um, you know, form, you know, factions to help themselves. So they were using, you know, the back, the, the little hose and the rakes and the stuff that they would, you know, use to, you know, do their gardening and, and their farming. And it, it was a way as just to have personal protection that was actually hidden, uh, you know, from people. So it was just kind of neat to understand the origin of a martial art. Um, mm. I just think it's great. I think everybody should try it. Um, I think it's a great activity for children and families. That was a great thing too. We had families come, moms, dads, and and kids alike. That's amazing. So, uh, you know, also kind of diving into you personally, what are things that you do now to help you work your best and make a difference, overcome challenges, and, you know, kind of just be the best you that you can be to make all these impactful changes in in pharmacy and, and in tech? Well, one thing that I like to do, so I transitioned over to being a runner. Um, I think it's important that you definitely have a good self-care program in place. Um, you know, the, the world is a rat race at times, and I think too many times we don't take enough time for ourselves. Uh, it's okay to have some me time. You know, it shouldn't be all me time. That's not good either. So you have to find that fine balance. Uh, we hear it said a lot, work-life balance. Um, so you definitely have to have a good work-life balance, you know, most companies that I've ever worked for, actually all of them, they're very respectful of our personal time, especially here at Dr. First, uh, very, very respectful. They understand family is important. So it's okay to turn off that work brain and focus on your family. And once again, be in that moment. As much as I work for a technology company and I love technology, sometimes you just have to put that technology down when it's time to spend time with your family. So live in the moment, have your me time. I go for a run and I think people sometimes think I'm a little wonky because I'm talking to myself. Maybe they think I'm listening to music. At least that's what I hope. But I talk to myself and I talk things out. And, um, you know, you just got to do that. Find something physical that can release the tension that you have um, so that when you are with your family and your coworkers, you are the best that you can be. That's amazing. I'm also a runner. I love to run. Do you do short distances, long distances? Uh, Do you do trails? Do you do road running or a treadmill? Um, I started out on the treadmill, but I'm, I want to say it's a little more middle distance. Uh, I am not a sprinter, so I'm not a big fan of 5Ks. I'll do them, but not uh, 10Ks. I love half marathons um, and I have run uh, five marathons. Wow. Five marathons. Any marathon names that we would know? 
Um, I ran the Buffalo Marathon a couple of times. I ran the San Diego Marathon, which was a great way to see San Diego. And I think my favorite one was it's actually an international marathon. I lived in Buffalo, New York. So the marathon started in Buffalo. We ran up and over the bridge into Canada, and we ended at the brink of the Niagara Falls Horseshoe Falls. Oh, that is incredible. What a way to end a marathon. <laughs> How did you find that? <laughs> to being in Buffalo, you know, you go out wow. and start seeing a race calendar, it would come up and I'm like, I got to run that. And it was in the fall. So uh, what was really great about that is you trained in the heat of the summer, but the race itself was in the fall. Uh, so you got to see the beautiful fall leaves of the area. The only downfall is if it ended up being a rainy day, it would typically be like 50 and rainy. So I ran a lot of long distance, you know, training runs in the rain. I, I have a favorite memory of I'm on a 20 mile run. I, I do road mostly. I'm running down the streets of my town and it's pouring rain and I'm soaking wet and I hear a car horn beep and I look over and it's my husband waving at me. <laughs> Thanks for picking, not picking me up. Um, That's incredible. So I'm wondering if you have any, you know, final words you'd like to leave our audience, you know, talking about, you know, uh, technology and pharmacy or any other, any other thing you'd like to let our audience know before we go. You know, once again, don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone. Um, you know, as you live your life, you should always want to learn new things. You should never just be accepting of where you are today. You know, we hear people say it a lot. You, you should really be better, you know, today and tomorrow than you were yesterday. So strive for that. And, you know, get outside of that comfort zone, learn new things. I mean, I, I went into just pharmacy. I never once envisioned, you know, moving through the career that I did. And so maybe that's part of it too. I know some people, it's okay to have a plan. We, you know, everybody needs a plan and, and I kind of have a plan, but it's not set in stone. You know, don't set yourself up for a disappointment of not achieving a goal by a certain day or, you know, life has to be fluid. You have to be able to adjust. So, you know, be ready for a roller coaster ride and be okay with that. But, you know, um, my husband says this a lot, dream it, then real life it. If it's something you really feel in your heart, you want to do, go make it happen and find people who can help you make it happen. Don't try to do it on your own. There are so many people out there who want to help you. Um, you know, I love to join web, you know, podcasts and listen to webinars of all the other amazing women out there uh, in healthcare IT that, that have forged, you know, pathways for us. Connect with them. These women want to help you, you know, and even the men out there want to help you. I, I don't know of many people that want to just keep you down. So find find a mentor, find someone who can help you. But, you know, once again, dream it and real life it. Don't think, you know, don't be that person going shoulda, coulda, woulda. You can do it. Everybody has the ability to make your dream come true. That is so inspiring, Heidi. I feel inspired by that to be my best self. You are fantastic. Thank you. Where can our listeners find you online? 
Well, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm always on LinkedIn. I don't do a lot of other social media. Um, it's just one of those things that, you know, for a while I found I was spending, you know, too much time on it. So I'm trying to focus and be in the moment, but you can always connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, and if you want to reach me by email, uh, you can catch me at hpollock at drfirst.com. Uh, I'm happy to connect with anybody. And, and it's actually been an honor. I've actually had people on LinkedIn, you know, kind of follow some of the stuff I, I post and they have reached out and I have helped people. So it is a great passion of mine, you know, to help people, um, you know, get through, you know, just break down that personal barrier of being afraid. Um, no one wants to be afraid, but you've got to step out of that comfort zone. You've got to cry some tears because when you finally achieve that goal, um, I, I can't explain how it feels. You know, I, I, what kind of races have you run, Grace? What kind of ro running races? I almost always do 5Ks, but that's because I ha usually have a stroller. <laughs> so, oh, amazing. So I can, do more on that. Yeah. I can tell you the first marathon I ran was, you know, kind of, I never thought it would happen. I We just kind of said in passing a girlfriend of mine, oh, that looks like fun because her husband had run one. And we were like, we should do it. Well, she signed up and I was like, oh boy, I have to sign up now. Um, and I did it. I can tell you finishing that race, I fell into my mom's arms and started crying. Like, you know, once again, you go through pain and you go through tears, but when you finally accomplish a goal, it is so rewarding personally. Um, just do it, you know, cry those tears, feel that pain because the joy will come, right? I can only imagine that sounds awesome. And when I do my first marathon, I'm going to send you a little picture afterwards. <laughs> so before I forget, did you happen to bring your tea with you today? Oh, I love it. Tell me about the mug. This was a mug, a Christmas gift from my children. They know I drink a lot of coffee and I just love to have family things like this. So I have uh, a lot of pictures. So there's pictures of our dogs and some pictures of my children and a beautiful family picture. This is one of my favorites. We were at a baseball game right after our youngest son graduated from high school. And on the back, it says you are the best mom. I hope everyone can see that. So I drink out they of They made that for you and they picked the pictures and everything and put it on? They did. They did. Oh, my heart. That is so special. So special. And just, you know, it shows you how important family is and how much they treasure you and, and you putting them um, first. And that's just so amazingly special. What a great gift. Thank you for sharing that with us today. You're welcome. Yep. It's and, my favorite. <laughs> oh, I love it. And thank you so much for joining us. We've just had such a great time with you today. Thank you. Thanks again, Grace. Love what you're doing. And so go out there, ladies, and hit like a girl. Thanks for joining us, folks. This is the Hit Like a Girl podcast. Check out our website and YouTube page for more esteemed interviews just like Heidi. Have a great day and cheers. Like a Girl Media is more than a media network. It's a community. We want to meet you and amplify your voice and the voices of outstanding women innovating in healthcare. Interested in starting your own podcast or hosting an event near you? Connect with us online or in person. We're here to support and empower you. This episode is brought to you by Chirpy Bird, Inc. CMS's Merit-Based Incentive Payment System, or MIPS, is super complex. And if clinicians ignore the program or perform poorly in it, it can result in a hit to their revenue and reputation. 
Chirpy Bird is proud to say that more than 95% of its clients are exceptional performers in MIPS, meaning they've maximized the score that directly translates into their Medicare reimbursement rate. Chirpy Bird offers their audit-proof services to practices of all sizes through an affordable monthly subscription that includes unlimited access to a regulatory expert who guides them in knowing what data to track, how to create workflows that make capturing that data easier, and ensures that they submit it all to CMS on time and performing at its best. Contact Chirpy Bird today or learn more at chirpybirdinc.com. That's chirpybirdinc.com.